for the long run, I think rhythm and to sustain a rhythm, it needs to be grounded and based on a platform. It Rhythm is a consequence of something to me. And that something is a set of beliefs and set of values which give me meaning, which tell me who I am. Those set of beliefs and values, they, they, they give me direction in life and at work. And then my rhythm follows from that. Welcome to the Search and Succeed podcast. I'm Rob Glass, Managing Partner of Hunston Partners. We are so fortunate to share many journeys with some exceptional people throughout their careers, people whom are thriving in their area of expertise. And on this podcast, we'll be chatting with them about how they perceive and strive for success within their industry and their life. I hope you enjoy Today on the podcast, we welcome Martin Ehrman. Martin Ehrman is the CFO of Basware. Basware are a global leader in accounts payable and invoice automation. Previously, Mara, which is what his friends call him, has served as a CFO in Nordic public-listed IT services and software companies, Soltec and Effecto. Prior to this, he spent over a decade in different finance leadership positions at IBM and Johnson Controls. In 2017, Mara found himself having the health issues of a typical knowledge worker. Despite having a background in competitive sports in his youth, his physical condition had gradually deteriorated during several years of intensive and demanding work. He'd gained weight, I'm sure he won't mind me saying, had issues with lower back pain, problems with sleeping, and had noticed a change in his endurance levels at work and at home. Realising he was heading down a wrong path, Mara started actively looking for ways to change this for the, for the long run. He's now in a great place in his life, professionally and on a personal level. And we are so delighted that he's on the Search and Succeed podcast today. Welcome, Mara. Thank you, Rob. So nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great. We've known each other for quite some time. So Indeed we have. Indeed to be able have. to do this with you and chat and yeah. just sit and relax and talk about talk about stuff that I don't think a lot of people talk about, which yep. I respect you sincerely that you're, you you talk about such an important subject, but something that you went through in your mm. life, which I think is crucial to probably a vast percentage of people who are in the professional world, mm. I would say. Look, keen to get into talking about some of the challenges that you've had mentally yep. and physically over time, but... Let's just go back a little bit just to talk about um, your trajectory to date. The major conversation is the ups and downs you've had with your health, both mental and physical. But just take us back a bit to yeah. you being younger, your absolutely. youth and your sporting days. What did that look like? Yeah, absolutely, Rob. So uh, I'm, I'm born and raised in Finland in the western part of Finland, a small town called Eura. Uh, I lived there for the first 15 years. Youngest son of an entrepreneurial family. I, I had two siblings uh, gr growing up and a loving and caring family. Fantastic mom and dad to whom I'm ever grateful. Football was a very, very big part of my childhood and my youthhood. I, I played um, professional football until I was 21. 
I had the pleasure and opportunity to uh, to mark six caps for the under 18 year old national team for Team Finland as a goalkeeper. Wow. A- again, experiences that now in hindsight I, I, I truly value. Equally, as, as I think about growing up in our family, dad was an entrepreneur. Uh, he passed away back in 1996 already. Uh, but, but again, the learnings from uh, growing up in, into an entrepreneurial culture where, where the key thing is that you gotta, you got to pull your own weight and you want to figure out ways how you can contribute to, uh, to not only to the loved ones, but also, also be figuring out how, uh, how we can make the surroundings better. For, for the people who are uh, who, who are living in this planet Earth with us, so the kind of a general entrepreneurial mindset, definitely from dad, is a, is, is is a very big thing that I that I took away from that. And they say that you have to be a bit nuts to be a goalkeeper. I wouldn't. Clap. Yeah, that's I, the last <laughs> adjective that I would use. Knowing you. Yeah, you know, uh, I I certainly have heard the saying as well. You know, playing as a goalkeeper was was something that I. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a position that you could see the whole field, the whole playing ground, organizing the defense, organizing the midfield, you know, being ready for counterattacks, trying to stay ahead of the game. And, and, and then obviously working very closely with the, with the coaching team in terms of, again, how do we organize the defense and, and, and how do we want to start attacking, you know. Plus, of course, in football, the, the both the beauty as, as well as then the downside in being a goalkeeper is that that you're part of a team. Mm. But on the other hand, you know, you, you truly, if, if you do something wrong, you, you let the whole team down. So that I learned from very early on. And I can be honest that I had even challenges dealing with that pressure, especially growing up early on and giving, getting into, for example, men's games. I started in the second division in Finland or when I was 15 in, in, in the third highest division in wow. Finland. Wow. So, so the pressures that came with that, probably in hindsight, I could have used maybe one or two more years, you know, mm. not exactly on that challenging level. Mm. And, but, but again, on the other you hand, the learnings, the, the learnings from that are huge. Yeah. But, but, you know, I think the similarities to today's world are, are such that, you know, even though we put pressure on ourselves and we have that pressure and, and fear of failure, but at the end of the day, we all are part of a team. Yeah. We all are part of, we have people who help us and, and that we shouldn't take too much of that pressure on our personal shoulders, but yeah. just feeling that that there's people to help us always. Yeah, and being a leader and being part of a team though, leading in the way that you lead, leaders you do rather than, as I say, is very much mm-hmm. what I know about you, Mara. And I imagine being quite risk averse as a goalkeeper, having to take no risks. Did that then, to some degree, lead you into the world of finance a little bit? <laughs> Actually, those of and, and Rob, we didn't we didn't know each other when uh, when I was when I was yeah. playing football. But probably a risk averse goalkeeper would not have been <laughs> the way how you would have characterized oh, right. playing the game. Okay. Um, um, so, but but anyhow, um, s- certainly finance. Then, you know, fast forward to 2000 when I started in business school in Tampere in Finland. Very fast became something that I felt very interested about. And this combination from the learnings from your childhood, home, growing up into that entrepreneurial culture, the commercial aspects of that, because even though I'm a finance guy, I'm really a commercial business customer oriented uh, uh, finance person is what I would say. So... Somehow it just started to feel right very early on in the business school. Then getting your first job 
you know, uh, did these summer internships uh, back in 2000, 2001. And it kind of developed almost like quite naturally from there that there was this gravitation towards finance leadership and, you know, figuring out how companies can work better, but doing it in an empathetic way, in, in a way where people are at the high heart of it. And, uh, and that, that's probably one of those common themes that I've tried to hold on to. Yeah. Do you think there's a, a, a relationship, a, a relevance, if you like, or relatable element between sport and between being a business? I know you mentioned, obviously, being part of a team and that leadership side. Huge. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I like to speak in sporting metaphors also at work, but, but you know, just, just to pick a few. Uh, recognizing that there's game days and there's practice days, there's moments that we got to be extremely well on the money. Obviously, you got to do that also on the training days. But you yourself, Rob, being a footballer, mm. you know that if you, if you go at and about your life, like every day would be a game day, you're going you're gonna to wear yourself out. So mm. I think that's number one to me, the kind of a metaphor from sports that there's a rhythm which you can also then extend to training seasons. If you think about it, you know, football teams go through different seasons during a season. There's sub-elements yeah. into how the teams, first of all, prepare for a season, how they prepare for a game, how they recover from a game, yeah. how they then analyze what happened in the game. Mm. Coach has a role, captains have a role, it's all players have a role. The, the, the bigger, the crew has a role. Third of all, as we then think about improving and, and developing communication, collaboration on and off the pitch for football teams. So, so important. Exactly the same in business. It's not only about what we do at the office, it's also what we do outside of the office. As you can tell, I could probably go on and on and on yeah. <laughs> about the similarities between sports and business. Of course, probably one thing I would add, which is kind of a little bit towards the other direction, is that in sports, at the end of the day, there's a scoreboard. And, and then the score basically says that, okay, this team lost and this team win. I think nowadays in business and overall in the world, the, the notion of what I think Simon Sinek probably brought into the discussion about finite and infinite games, that, that recognizing that there's so much more to business than what's on the financial scoreboard after a 30-day period, 90-day period, a year period. Who is to say that, that that's what constitutes what's good and bad? It, it's just a marker. Right. And, and again, I think this marker word is also what Simon Sinek in his in his thinking. So I'm a bit of a stealing from that. But but still, the whole notion that businesses evolve, they develop. Similarly, I would say that the world of sports nowadays sometimes would need a bit more of this thinking that, hey, guys, yes, today we lost. But that doesn't, that doesn't mean we failed. It, it was it was a learning experience. Then we're going to get back to the practice pitch. Yeah, We're going to figure it out. Yeah, And we're going to come back. And even if we win, the next time, it doesn't mean that we actually succeeded or somehow we now accomplished something that now we can rest on our laurels. But this notion about that things evolve, things continue to develop, and having a bit more of that empathy and, and mercy, I would say, sometimes on ourselves, that while we are very ambitious and we, of course, want to and we drive towards budgets, we drive towards targets, those of who know, who know me, you know, fiduciary responsibilities as a CFO is something I take extremely seriously. And I, I'm very, very driven. But nowadays, you start to think even more so that how do we make sure that we have the right balance mm. 
mm. in looking this thing as it's it's, it's an yeah. ever evolving motion. Yeah. Then and, and then we have markers along yeah. the way that tell us that are we are we progressing to the right direction. Just as far as the the referencing of Simon Sinek, we reference and plagiarize all the time on this <laughs> podcast. As long as we reference something, okay, <laughs> yeah. rather than taking it as our own. Yes. But everything you're talking about there, about that uh, mental capability of all these moments of when you win uh, and when you don't win, how you deal with that, whether you take a, a loss, so to speak, as, as a learning curve rather than a, something to get yourself all down about is um, very much something that I, I imagine is, is, has been a big learning curve for you over time. And I've, I've known you since... 2011 i think yeah but in i remember in 2017 you found yourself in a in a, a challenging place indeed what triggered this and how did you try and deal with that in the first instance yeah no ab- absolutely uh in in hindsight such valuable lessons that 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 were learned over 2015 16 17 and perhaps even more so 18 and 19 kind of coming out of this uh, very simplistically put, my first CFO position when I took that on back in late 2015, with the with the driven mindset and 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 the drive and passion to succeed, basically in the first CFO position, got me to a point that I was I was trying to do too many things for too many people at the same time. On the other hand first TFO position, there were certainly topics that I was I was doing for the first time. I was in the mm. process of figuring out. And then I think you can already see a pattern here that when you're doing something for the first time, yet you set expectations on yourself that you got to be <laughs> the best in class doing it. Probably that won't end up that well, because then you just keep on hammering and trying and right. trying and trying. And and then you keep on layering more and more pressure on yourself that you need to, you have to, you gotta. And and I think that basically then led into a situation that um, these things of putting too much pressure on yourself starting to lead into a situation that you, you first of all, you start to not sleep so well. And then we all know what happens, you know, when you don't sleep so well, you know, your metabolism work changes, you don't recover that well, suddenly junk food and unhealthy, unhealthy things feel a lot more compelling to you because your body is not in balance. And then it's kind of a downward cycle that things add on things. And, and, and then suddenly you find yourself 15 kilos, you, you know, more, more heavy, not sleeping, and, and not anymore performing on a level that I, that I want to perform. Yeah. I all the time, as, as we were going through that, and I went through that, I was able to perform my job some days better, some days worse. But, you know, we got the job done at the end of the day. So late 2017, we actually sold Affecto to CGI, a Canadian IT, <coughs> excuse me, IT, uh, IT company. And, and again, as such, professionally, it was it was a successful one and a half years, or, sorry, almost two years with Affecto. But again, the cost at which that came uh, momentarily was very, very high re- relative to my own personal well-being. And what, what does that look like? You mentioned some of the physical elements uh, and impacts. Yeah. How did it feel mentally? What were you feeling when you woke up every day and as your day yeah. was going along? Yeah. I think probably the number one feeling, now in hindsight especially, probably I was not able to put my finger on it back then, but it was this feeling that I'm not enough. It was this feeling that I'm not doing good enough. Okay. 
and that I got to do more. I got to do better. I got to do more. I need to be able to contribute. I got to be able to solve things faster. I got to be able to be a better leader for my people. I need to st- I need to stand up more for them. I need to be more time with our business leaders because they need me. I got to be more with our investors because they need to know what's going on in the company. I need to provide better performance insights to the CEO and the board of directors for us together to make the right decisions for the company. So this underlying notion of pretty fundamental feeling that you are not meeting the expectations, even though in hindsight, and, and, and you know, uh, Affectos CEO, Yuko Hakala, um, uh, who, who uh, he and I are, uh, are friends and we keep keeping contact, uh, you know, we have very good relationship and, and, and you know, it was that, it was that notion of, 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 you know, working, trying to please and, 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 and trying to make the people around you successful. And, and, and you know, uh, it was something for a relatively young guy back then that I was probably putting too much, too much right. weight on my shoulders. Right. And, and, and then trying to, uh, trying a bit too hard, probably, okay. as opposed to recognizing that, hey, ask for help. And and be yourself, and it's gonna be okay. You've got you you've got what the job takes. So so just don't try too much, Mara. Yeah. Just just be yourself, and you're gonna get it done. Yeah, because there's endeavor and trying hard and working hard and going above and beyond. They're all are all great things. I don't think anyone would say take that away, but it's certainly not to the detriment of your health. So there you go. Where did you get to to get to a point where you then? wanted to engage coaching and support and someone to kind of get you out of this yeah to get you where you are now already during 2017 so so the so the diligence process with cgi started early 2017 and then again culminated the deal going through in august or during that year um uh, uh, one one of my friends had been talking with me about hinsa performance this is the uh, finnish finnish based uh, but a worldwide uh, coaching and, and performance management company working with business leaders, companies, also athletes quite a bit, and had mentioned about the program that he went through with them, which is like a specialized, tailored, individual program of looking at an individual holistically based on late Aki Hintza's method uh, of, of how human beings operate, what, what it's at core, and what are the different, different, uh, different areas of, of fundamental well-being so, so you know, that started to uh, started to make me think about uh, that that there really is something here that that you know, Mara, you want to get outside help. This is something that you want to use as an opportunity to to learn from and kind of reset the clock a bit. You know, back in 2017, I was 38, and I realized that if this is the path I'm going to continue, um, it's it's not going to be a happy ending. Were you unhappy? Were you in pain? How would you describe how you felt? Uh, it it was mild depression to a certain extent, I would say. Okay. Um, I, I was feeling a little bit numb at the end of the day. I, I still remember the the days in August and September 2017 when the transaction closed and and we then agreed uh, that that the CEO, uh, the deputy CEO, and, and and me as CFO would basically leave the company because that's natural when when you know a big company buys you, then again the new executive leadership comes in. And and I felt I felt numb personally to a certain extent, but of course I I felt really grateful, you, you know, that we had done together as a team as as affecto employees, you, you know, the journey we had been on for two years that was extremely valuable, and I was really pleased and happy, 
and glad, you know, for the people and, 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 and also for the shareholders of Afecto back then. I think we got a good deal done. But personally, as I looked inside and I felt about it, it was kind of at the position that, hey, I got to pause. I yeah. got to pause here and I got to reset the clock. Yeah, because we talk a lot about success on this podcast and mm -hmm. what success is. And you've just there talked about the business was successful. Uh, but at that moment, your version of success, I imagine, Indeed. wasn't necessarily Correct. being absolutely uh, right. satisfied. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Which actually is one of the key core fundamentals that, you know, to me, really, success is actually something that that there's this thing called happiness and well-being that precedes success to me. Very, very simplistically put. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm keen to understand your version of success, but you've certainly given us some insight there. Just a quick pause to the podcast to share with you a charity very close to our hearts prevent breast cancer who are just incredibly passionate about stopping the disease before it starts prevent breast cancer promote healthier lifestyles screening and early diagnosis they make sure hundred percent of their research funding is focused on preventing breast cancer for future generations they're the only UK charity entirely dedicated to the prediction and prevention of breast cancer they're right at the front line in the fight against the disease. And we are right behind them. But just going back, because just to continue on this, you were in a, a, a challenging place. You've realized that you needed some support. What, what did that look like then? How did, what did you change in the fundamentals of your everyday? Yeah, the, uh, the good thing is that from very early on in my life, I've, uh, I've always considered myself, and I believe I still am that, I'm open for feedback and and I'm I'm curious and also quite, if not highly self-reflective. That's not to say that I always would be able to behave and, for example, lead the way I know I can lead, and that is 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 the personal journey uh, for for me. But in in this case, really, it was about getting. Um, getting into touch with some of the fundamentals, first of all, from the sporting world. Back, okay. back to sports, rhythm. Understanding that there's a rhythm to things, there's a rhythm to sleeping, there's a rhythm to eating, there's a rhythm to exercising, and from that, daily habits. So, so that was the first and probably the, the most important thing is that to get rhythm into my day, get rhythm into my habits, and that that already then, of course, over time started to help. So very, very small things, and it's so small and everyday things that it just kind of a, makes me even laugh. But but starting to eat breakfast every day at the same time. Right. And and by the way, the same breakfast okay. at the same time. Right. So so oatmeal porridge, and and some fresh berries, uh, to it, and and that became my standard breakfast at a standard time. Uh, preceded by a bit of a thinking time. So so I don't meditate. Um, I've, I've not got myself into that. But back then, I took thinking time. So, so you know, waking up, you wake up, you you put your coffee, coffee machine on, and, you know, with your first cup of coffee, you just reflect and, and think, and allow the thoughts to come as they are. The third element, which, which helped immensely, and, and this is kudos to... Uh, to Juha Akras and, 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 and Jari Jaakkola uh, that hints at performance who were an essential part of the journey back then is to uh, 
is to get grounded back with my core. So this is the fundamental essential element in, uh, in Leitaki Hintz's method. Uh, different people call it the different things. I think Simon Sinek talks about why Aki Hintz uh, talk about is, is, is about the core. So, so who are you and what is, it that, what is it that you value? What's important to you at its core? And, and, you know, spending time getting back to that and getting connected on who Mara really is. What is it that I value in life as Martti Nurminen, as Mara? And, and you know, connecting the business from who I am and from my identity. As I, I, I think along the way, probably my, my identity had actually shifted that I was more Mara the CFO as opposed to really myself. And then again, those elements, what were happening at the workplace, they basically went straight through, if you know what I mean. When something happened, it was not that it was happening at the workplace, but it was, I felt like this is happening to me. Okay. As opposed to that, it's happening at the workplace. It doesn't, it's not about who I am, it's the work I do. Right, yeah. And getting that very simple thing clear with the gentleman I mentioned, with Hinsa, folks was an extremely extremely valuable lesson net separating net. the Se mara at work to absolutely the mara right at home. Un understanding that who i am what do what do i do what do i value how do i want to live my life is an entirely separate thing from the work i do work is part of that yeah. of course yes. again the full circle but but again it's only a part of that Wow, it's so tough, isn't it? Because we spend so much time Indeed. working. You got it. And That's exactly it's right. It's so important for our <laughs> It, it our becomes all-encompassing. Yeah. You know, when we talk about those 80, 100-hour weeks, which is absolutely insane, I just do not understand yeah. how, how people do that to themselves. I certainly don't do that anymore. Absolutely yeah. not. I, I refuse to do that. I work long hours, don't get me wrong, but but it's 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 manageable. Yeah. It, it's manageable, and, uh, and, and so... Uh, but just those moments of, I remember calling you once just for a chat, say hello, because I yeah. do enjoy calling you just for a chat. Yeah. I remember you were you were on a walk yeah. in the middle of the day because yeah. that's something that you prioritize to Correct. do to probably get some headspace, to probably get exactly. some thinking time, yeah. to just get some fresh air in your lungs you and split, thing, split the day up, I suppose, as Indeed. much as, and, you know, I think that anyone that listening to this that gets that is super focused and gets their head into their work constantly. They wake up, they think about work, and before they know it, they're in bed, and their only time that they're not thinking about work is maybe when they're asleep. <laughs> <laughs> and probably even then and, they are. <laughs> well, exactly, uh, with, with less control. But that time to, as you say, separate the two is, yeah. is, is in your experience, it's the, critical. It is, and it's the process of explicitly and cognizantly making sure that I, I maintain a clear connection on my, with my identity, what my values are, what is it that I want in life, and then keep, keeping that as the North Star, because that will then help, at least I have felt, that will help me to make the right decisions also at the workplace, because I recognize that also the people around me are human beings. Right. We are, at, first and foremost, we are human beings, and obviously, as, as everything, this is a... This is a process, it continues today, it continues tomorrow. And again, by no means am I saying that I'm somehow perfect nowadays, so it's it's only hunky-dory. There's, there's tough moments, there's, there's great moments and everything in between. 
Uh, we all make mistakes. Uh, I certainly continue to make mistakes. Uh, hopefully not the same ones all over again. And and I've got good, great help uh, on a continuous page, uh, basis also in terms of continuous coaching and, 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 you know, making sure that you actually then do what you say so that it's not only not only words sure yeah uh, but it's tough man it, man it is yeah, it, well, it, it's tough yeah and it's the <laughs> uh the great life and all the challenges that that brings Indeed. you talk about the human aspects what does it take to how would you describe the human aspect that's needed to be a cfo or even in the c-suite today yeah it's actually a very very timely question uh now that we are meeting here in london uh we're, we're recording this i had the opportunity to be at the Gartner CFO conference for yesterday and Monday and and also give Basware's keynote on on value creation through through automation with accounts payable and invoice automation. And uh, Gartner's themes very much were about that as the role of technology is increasing at the rate and pace and the impact that that drives to businesses that at the same time, the human aspects of finance leadership and re- leadership in general are become absolutely more crucial so that we can maintain the connection actually with our people. There was a lot of talk about authenticity and empathy in leadership. Um, the two words that I wholeheartedly subscribe into on a day-to-day basis, I, I think that true empathy of, of really trying to understand the other person as, as who they are, and then that authenticity, which is like now speaking here with you and just just, just two guys, you know, uh, sitting here and talking about who we really are and the experiences and and presenting ourselves as who we really are, uh, with the good and the bad. <laughs> I, I I think that is that is something that was very interesting also at the Gartner conference that that making us all human, sometimes senior leaders in different positions and i think there was even a quote in the one of the gartner presentations that that sometimes senior leaders are not anymore considered <laughs> considered as human beings um we all are at, yes. at the end of the day and yes and, and i think that is something that you know really gave me a lot to think about as i uh, as i go back home and go back to the day-to-day work again after this conference that uh how can i show up at the office every day as truly as who mara is and just authentically be who I am, mm. be empathetic uh, towards the circumstances, towards the people. And yes, let's not mix that up with lack of drive to achieve mm. or with lack of accountability to get to the outcomes or lack of fiduciary controls. I, th- I think that to me is the, is the beautiful thing that figuring out together with the colleagues you work with, with the team you work with, that how can we together make sure these two things coexist. Yeah. I absolutely believe that they can coexist. And there's lots of proof points that they are already coexisting. But uh, it I goes back to that team element, right? It you does. Know, you can't achieve what you need to achieve with the ambitions that you have unless you have a team uh, and people that are on board with you and that, exactly. you know, and that, that you feel like you lead well, ultimately. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting because we're obviously in the world of data and AI, and robotics, you know, and 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 so we're, we're kind of, to some degree, not moving away from the human element of it, but there's so much impact to the human's input and touch on things, but yet there's it's it's needed more now than ever to Indeed. some degree. Indeed. You talked before about the thinking time in the morning, 
I think less and less people do that. I know I do it as well with my phone in my hand and yeah. I'm looking at stuff constantly. You know, just uh, just being a person and being a human and having that empathy is is crucial as a leader, but also as a, as an individual, not to lose that. It, I, I think you're spot on there, Rob. And I, it's it's funny enough you mentioned about the phone thing, and again, I, we we all are aware about it, but it's just that the distraction that puts in our minds and the way brain is working nowadays relative to like 20 years ago, if we think about the amount of of input uh, that went into our brains, the stimulus that our brains had 20 or 30 years ago, and we look at an average knowledge worker 20, 20 30 years ago, an average knowledge worker today, I think time will only tell that how the brain of a human being over time will adjust to this, what will happen. I, I think it's safe to say that well, I'm, I'm going to take a shot at that from another angle. I am at least consciously, personally trying to cut down stimulus during daytime. How do I make sure that I block two, three hours of uninterrupted working time on something? I go back to rhythm that I might have an afternoon back to back. You know, I have this habit that my one hour meetings, I try to keep them at 50 so that I have 10 minutes in between. I can do a little bit quick email, a couple of quick phone calls, keep my rhythm. Half an hour meetings to me are 25 minute meetings, the same logic there. And it might be that my afternoon is like fully packed from noon to six to execute on that. But then the morning has been between nine and 12, has been three hours of uninterrupted working time. As a design principle, it's not that, you know, I always get there, but exactly this point that if by design, I don't put that into my calendar, into my life, that I give myself the chance to think. Yeah. How, how on earth is it supposed to happen? Yeah. If my calendar looks like that, it's just, you know, one thing after another, 15 minutes here, 30 minutes there, going from one meeting to another without proper preparation, without proper action follow-up. I know this is the basic for many of the people, but I, I equally believe at the same time that if we as leaders would show, starting with myself, continuously better and better example by dedicating deep thinking, deep working time together with people, putting the smartphones away, shutting down teams, shutting down Outlook, and then saying that, okay, in the afternoon, we again go back to the fast paced, we, we run the meetings, we do that. Mm. Rhythm, 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 rhythm. Yeah, I love that rhythm. I think that's the underlying theme of of i suppose your advice and your experience there and so when you're talking to and when you see fellow leaders and fellow professionals and them not wanting to necessarily get into a place where you got to where mm. you had to then pull yourself through it is it that that you know you just suggest find your rhythm find you as an individual versus mm. you as the person at work and just manage that balance in order to maintain that, I suppose, that yeah. level? I, you, you got it, Rob. Those to me are the two most important things. And probably, depending a bit on your situation, you know, my situation back in 2017 was such that, that you know, the first order of business was to get back into rhythm because the situation was, was you know, quite quite challenging at times. So it was not the time and a place first to start to figure out the more deep and more meaningful things about core values and, and again, who you are as a human being. But the first order of business was, let's get the basics right. Yeah. 
and and it's like going back to the sports metaphor for football teams. You know, if you're on a if you're on a losing streak, you, you know you you don't want to make too big of a drastic changes. You just want to try to fix the basics first, get the defense to work, and 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 and, and etc. So, but it depends a bit on the situation. But obviously, for the long run, I think rhythm and to sustain a rhythm, it needs to be grounded and based on a platform. It Rhythm is a consequence of something to me. And that something is a set of beliefs and set of values which give me meaning, which tell me who I am. Those set of beliefs and values, they, they, they give me direction in life and at work. And then my rhythm follows from that. And again, there are periods when I get distracted, but then I know that my morning rhythm is there because I want to be well and I want to be happy. Then very simplistically, it's about my morning, short morning exercise because I know that when I do that, my lower back stays intact. Now that I've neglected that for the last three weeks a little bit, I can immediately see, like I told you this morning, I've got a bit of a back issue right now. Right. Immediately, right. in three weeks. Right. Around 50% of the mornings I've neglected it. Right. And here I am sitting with you and I can feel a bit of a lower yeah. back pain. Yeah. I don't want to, because I want to be healthy. I want to be able to do basic practice. Hopefully one day, if uh, if everything works out well, I, I, I want to be a dad as well. And I want to be well. And, 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 and you know, uh, so it all goes back to that fundamental thing. And then like the outer circle of that is that how do I structure my days at work and my being and my role at work that it all supports that purpose of being well, being happy. How can I contribute to other people at work? The way I do that is through rhythm. So again, the rhythm then in the longer run is a consequence of the deeper meaning and set of beliefs and values because I believe that if I'm not clear with my beliefs and values and really have them guide me, that the rhythm is gonna at some stage like vanish because it's not grounded. It's not grounded into something that keeps it there at the face when, you know, there's rush and there's stress and things start to kind of move around. It needs deep roots it in order deep to roots. maintain consistency rather than exactly. shallow. And when you want to dip in and out, it doesn't have enough Correct. depth to it. Exactly. Yeah, which, yeah. which goes straight back into authenticity yeah. and empathy. Yeah. But authenticity and empathy towards myself. Be authentic with yourself. What is it that you value and love in life? Mm. Be empathetic with yourself to give yourself to time to stay true with yourself on a continuous basis and then build from there. I know there's some big fancy words there, but I, uh, I, I, I truly believe and I just in a, in, a, in a way in a really, really happy place. Now also having been married for a little over a year, we just had our first anniversary in August and couldn't be, a, couldn't be a happier man. Good for you. Congratulations. I was going to ask you what your version of success is, Mara, but I really think that in the last couple of minutes of what you've just spoken about, I think you've really mapped it out for us. Yeah. And it's fantastic to hear that you're finding that balance and that you're in a great place. You know, I, I value you as, as a, a friend more than a client. And Likewise, Rob. Your, Likewise. I think the word authenticity and being real and just being one of the good guys is something that I mm. would always describe you as. Yeah. And thank you so much for sharing everything you shared with us here yeah. today because yeah. you've opened yourself up somewhat. Yeah, yeah. For people that are listening, I'm sure that you'll have helped many people who listen to this. Yeah. And it's been great to chat here with you. 
Thanks, Rob, and, and likewise, uh, consider you as a dear friend. Thank you for having me. And, and, and as said, you know, I think um, for me also having this conversation is, is all part of this continuous process. We don't sit here trying to say we are perfect and, and we have it right every day, all the time. But as, as long as we recognize the moments when we, when we believe we do the right thing and we do the wrong thing, and again, we are open and honest about those things, and, and, and then working with the people in our immediate vicinity to develop uh, uh, as human beings and learn, and, and then progress, uh, I, I think that's really a very, very big part of this, to be happy and well in life. Thank you, Mara. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Search and Succeed podcast. Please subscribe and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. We'll see you on the next one.